Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey Is. Hi Em. How you doing over there? I'm doing great. I'm actually still sitting in front of my TV because I just turned off Jersey and watched what happens live and they're playing Ultimate Girls Trip. And I just will never forget the feeling I had watching this show for the first time. Like even watching it on mute right now in the background is giving me the best feelings. I don't know if we could ever replicate that truly. We won't be able to replicate it. Like I I know that that initial shock was just indescribable, but I do think Blue Stone Matter is going to be a close second. Oh, forget about it. It's going to be completely different though. Like such a different vibe, but in the best way. I mean, just on Instagram, seeing Jill Zarin filming a confessional and then like Phaedra and Taylor Armstrong out to dinner in LA is already like, the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I don't know what that says about our lives, but I agree. <laughs> I mean, listen, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Same. So right before we sat down to start recording this, Katie Maloney and Tom Schwartz announced their divorce on Instagram. And we'll get into the statements in a second, but I have a question for you because for the last week or so, there's been a lot of speculation. I would say over the last three or four days, it really intensified, specifically when we saw her out and about not wearing her ring. And now we know, based on their posts, they are getting divorced and the rumors were true. But I want to take you back to an hour ago before we knew that it was in fact true. What did you think? Like, What was your reaction to the speculation? Did you believe it to be true? Here's what I'll say. I think this day and age, after living through first seeing reports that Tristan and Jordan hooked up or first seeing that Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian were dating and saying, absolutely not. Whoever wrote these stories is just an incredible creative writer. Nothing really shakes me anymore, but I also just don't know. But this was something I saw and I was like, yeah, it's probably true. And as sad as that is, I obviously did not, I never wanted them to break up. I think they're such 
sweet, lovely people who love each other. But after watching them just struggle in their relationship for all these years, over a decade, I can't say I'm surprised. And as sad as it is, I do feel like we collectively saw this coming at some point. It broke my heart, but I can't say I was shocked. Were you shocked or you immediately thought it was true? No, I wasn't shocked at all. The second that there was the first rumor, I thought that it was true. And you're right. We are definitely a little bit jaded pop culture wise because the craziest shit has happened and it's been true. So this one, a couple that has historically had problems, like, yeah, you're quicker to believe it, but yeah, I'm in your exact boat. I didn't want to believe it, but I totally did. I mean, do you think that I should read the statements verbatim? I think you should only because I think them in themselves are very interesting and the contrast of the two is very interesting. Okay. So we'll start with Tom's. It's a longer one. Well, this sucks. How am I supposed to capture 12 years of love in a fucking canned Instagram caption? What picture am I supposed to use? Is there a go-to breakup font? Wanted to clear the air on some rumors floating around. Katie and I are separating. I'm not quite ready to use the D word because it's too painful. Yes, my heart aches, but I'll be okay. Not looking to evoke any sympathy here. I'm not the victim. Not going to write too sad a song. Fully respect Katie's decision and we've had healthy, productive conversations about it. It would be far sadder if she decided to stay with me whilst not happy. After nine years on a reality TV show, it feels a little tone deaf to say, quote, please respect our privacy, especially while posting this. So instead, I'll just ask to please be kind. I don't fault you for any snap judgment. If I was watching us and Vanderpump for the last nine years, I'd be making them too. Perception gets skewed because of seeing snippets of our lives on the show, but I'm telling you, we had some of the most blissful, romantic, fun times humanly possible over the course of our relationship. I'm talking heaven on earth level joy. She taught me so much about love and being a better partner. It's hard not to feel like a statistic, another failed marriage. I don't look at it as a failure. As sad as I am, still happy to say there's no anger or bitterness. Zero. Still so much love for you at Music Hills, Kate, and your family. I don't think we were ever a model couple. Maybe we're a model divorcees. A dubious title, I suppose. Also, I'm aware of the tragedies taking place in the world right now. I have perspective here. I'll be fine. So I'll shut up now and say it one last time. Love you, bub. Always and forever you'll be in my heart. On my ass, maybe not so much. And her statement read, I never thought I would have to make an announcement like this, but I feel it's important that I'm open about my life with you. After 12 years on an adventure through life together, Tom and I are ending our marriage. This ending is not met with resentment or animosity, no sides to choose. We have deep admiration for one another that will always remain, and we cherish our friendship. Although we may be on different paths, we will continue to love and support one another's happiness. Thank you all for the kind words and support. I just have to say before we get into this, I really do feel that both of their statements had a lot of you know, kindness and love for one another, and I believe that that's real. But wow. I mean, for Tom to so clearly point out that this was Katie's decision and not his— it's not something I'm typically used to. It's You want to know what it's reminiscent of? So, so different. But John Mulaney and Anna Marie Tendler, when she kind of, you know, was very forthcoming in her statement that this is not what she wanted. I have to be honest. I respect nothing more than when they make it clear for us who chose to get the divorce. Right. Especially, especially in a situation like this where I think very easily it could have been both of them. But if I was a betting woman, I would have said it was Katie who actually initiated it. So to actually make that clear, he made it clear. So I wonder how she feels about that. I could analyze these statements until the end of time. I mean, I think they're both very indicative of them as people and very on brand for both of them. I think he like loves to pour his heart out. He's always sentimental and loves to just 
I don't know, spill his feelings, where she's a little more buttoned up. And I, I know that's crazy because they both put everything out there, but it is true. And it's clear that he's sad and wants people to feel sad with him and for him. I think the overall sentiment is that they still love each other, which I do think is true. I don't think there was any like cheating or bad, I don't know, blood almost, but I just think it was time. It was just time. And honestly, I think if I'm going to be super honest, I think they were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole for a while now. And I get that because they had so much history that they probably felt like they were throwing it away. And I agree with what he said, that he would rather have her end it than stay with him while being unhappy because that doesn't work for either of them. Right. And also before they start building out their family and having kids, like, I guess this is the best time to do it, you know, before they get in too deep. I really don't know. I'm curious what exactly was like the straw that broke the camel's back because I feel like we've seen so much over the years and it was never the end. And all of a sudden now it's the end. So that to me is very interesting. And I hope we get to see or hear at least some of how it plays out because I don't know, I feel like we've been on this journey with them for so long and saw them get to where they are now. And then for it to end, I kind of want to be part of it too. I'm really sad. I mean, when he calls her bub, I, I just... I died. I died. You know, the comment we posted of Andy commenting that on their post. Oh, oh. that broke my heart. I know. I know. I mean, this is so not the time for this conversation. I don't want to have it. I actually think it's disrespectful to even mention, given the fact that this just happened, but a thought that just went off in my mind. So I'm going to say it to you, and we'll talk about this in months to come, not right now. It is going to be so bizarre when, whenever it is, they eventually move on and start publicly dating other people. What a bizarre sight to see that will be, you know, after being in it with them for so many years. Again, not to talk about right now. I know it's disrespectful. Just that light bulb went off in my head and I had to say it. Right. I think it's just when you've seen the same two people only together since we, quote, met them, it's impossible to picture them with anyone else. Would yeah. you think they'd ever put like Tom Schwartz in a summer house situation? I swear to God, I was thinking that. I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't either. I don't know. I don't know what the situation would have to be, but it's definitely not out of the question. I don't know if he would want to like cross those paths maybe. I I don't know, but I do think he – I see him just getting along really well with like Carl and Luke and fitting right in. Even like Craig and Austin. I don't know. I mean, he just loves to chill the fuck out, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. 
A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, would you like to get into the Miami reunion? I would love nothing more, and I literally feel like we need to start playing as we go on. Oh, <laughs> it's like vitamin C. Remember. <laughs> Not to be dramatic, although I usually am dramatic. Let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> when I ended this part of the reunion, yeah, I was so sad. Like literally I shut my laptop and I was like, I'm really going to miss this. I would wake up on Thursday mornings and be like, it is Miami day. No matter what happens today, I get to get in bed and watch an episode of Miami tonight. And I know for sure it will put a smile on my face. I got to be honest with you. Obviously, I wasn't to the same extent that you were, but <laughs> I get what you, I get what you mean because I really loved it. And I was reflecting on this today because obviously Summer House wasn't on this week. Miami was great as a standalone, right? Like if no other show existed, I would still fucking love it. However... I kind of think some of the other franchises are lacking at the moment. Like even the Salt Lake City reunions, they felt to me like they were dragging on. OC isn't really bringing it. I'm slightly bored by Jersey. And I I realized that it's really just been Summer House in Miami kind of keeping me super enthused recently. I mean, this ebbs and flows constantly. But I I realized it the most since Summer House wasn't on this week. And I'm like, wow, I'm deriving the majority of my Bravo joy from Summer House in Miami. Yeah, I guess it would be interesting if we had like three really killer seasons or episodes going on on actual Bravo simultaneously while we were watching Miami if it would stick out to us as much. But I think it would. I think everyone feels the same hype as us. And I almost feel like I want all the housewives to watch Miami and take note or the producers or Bravo to watch Miami and understand why we all love it so much, why it was so successful, why it worked. Because I think a lot of the excitement and just like pizzazz that Miami had is what we need injected in these other in these other cities. There is a part of me though, and I don't mean to take anything away from them and their storylines because they were strong, but there is a part of me that just wonders if like part of what we're feeling is 
the energy of being revived after being off the air for so many years. And like, mm. if that's the missing piece of magic that you can't necessarily recreate, again, you put Alexia in any fucking franchise that has been on every single year and she's still going to bring it. And I would say that for pretty much all of them. But I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept to kind of think about. I think it's the perfect combination of bringing back OGs who were amazing, bringing in incredible new cast members, like they killed it with the casting, having a lot of housewives. I think sometimes they're afraid of that. But to me, if they're strong, you can never have enough. Then the fucking saturation color that Peacock put on that show, there's something in that. The fashion, they all have money. There's history. Then also on top of it, we're getting a mini Kardashian like gossip session. To me, it just simply doesn't get better than that. And getting to watch Lisa and Lenny Hochstein and then also Alexia's family drama and also see the inside of Nicole's house, it just, to me, was absolute bliss. And I will miss it dearly. I have no doubt that it will be back. And I honestly wouldn't change a thing about the cast. Same. And I think the second part of the reunion was amazing. One thing that I want to say before we get into the actual reunion, I forgot to like mention this to you separately. Two weeks ago, you had said that you were rewatching Atlanta and you realized that Phaedra Parks is one of your favorite housewives of all time. And the following week I came on and I said that I think if I had to choose, Alexia is definitely in my top three of housewives of all time. And somebody DM'd us a point that I found was really interesting. They were like, I totally agree. I love Alexia, but you know, it can't be ignored that her storylines are incredible. Like just so many things happen in her life. And they were like, what is that formula? Like how much is it the person and what they bring and then just their storylines? Because you can have an amazing person who has potential to be a great housewife, but there's not that much going on in their lives right now. And I do think it's like a very true concept to kind of talk about what is that right balance and which one matters more. Oh my God. Oh, I didn't know I was coming to give a TED talk today. <laughs> That's what I'm saying though, right? <laughs> yes, because I think about this all the time, clearly. And I think, Alexia aside, because I think she is a amazing quote housewife in the traditional sense where she stirs up drama. She says whatever she thinks to their face. She's a little messy. She has drama. And then on top of that, she happens to have the most interesting personal storyline ever probably mm. in this history of time. But I think it was Melissa Gorga was saying on an interview this week, something along the lines of like, Bravo viewers these days only want housewives who are villains or crooks or have some legal issues going on in their life or something crazy going on and they don't want to just see normal people. And that really got me thinking because I think the problem is these producers or also the women feel like they have to have some crazy drama between them in order for the stories to be interesting. Whereas when you watch some of the best OG seasons, yes, of course, there's drama between the women that happens organically, but it's what we get to dive deep into their personal lives and then see them interact organically that make the best seasons. And that's why I think we resonated so much with Miami because we got into their personal lives so much. And then organically, the tensions in the group, I mean, honestly, the reunion, Adriana bringing out the cookies was the first moment I felt was kind of forced, which is rare in a season these days. So yes, I don't, I don't know where the balance lies, but I got to tell you, I, I like watching a documentary style about women living their lives, these glamorous worlds. And then when they cross paths, we know where they're coming from. 
I mean, listen, when we finished tonight's episode of Jersey, I literally said to you right before we went on that to me in all of this, the most interesting thing is watching Jennifer's very authentic journey within herself of deciding how she feels about her marriage to Bill. The rest of the stuff is bullshit to me. Like we'll get into it. Of course, I'm not trying to jump the gun. I'm just saying, I don't necessarily need the drama between Teresa and and Margaret. It's like, to me, watching Jennifer genuinely talk to Bill about what's going on, the fact that she suppresses for the last 10 years, that's the documentary style stuff that I care more about. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a balance. Like after Jersey tonight, I was the most intrigued by Jennifer sitting down with her brother over all the women sitting around talking shit at the spa. And I just, I don't know. It it is very interesting. Like we could probably do a whole episode on it, but I, I do think that there is something to be said about the personal storylines, making you a good housewife versus your quote acting as a kind of pot stirrer, you know, throwing the table kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that viewers really see through contrived storylines just for the purpose of having one. For example, Melissa Gorga, she is just a better, in my opinion, she's just a better spectator. You know, she's, I think she has a purpose in the show. I enjoy her presence, but she's not going to be the one with the crazy storyline. So last year when she's in the van with Joe and they're talking about potentially getting divorced, it's like, you don't need to be doing all this. Right. That's the thing. They either feel like they need to buff up their personal storyline or they need to be really bringing it in the group. And then if they don't have an equal balance of both, why are they around? And I just mm-hmm. don't think it needs to be one or the other or both. It, it just, you have to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Completely. Okay. So getting into this Miami part two reunion, tens oh. across the board. <laughs> I know. No notes, zero <laughs> notes, perfect as is. Zero notes. You know, what? It, it's so stupid, but I kind of just want to talk about it. What did you feel about the mini argument over Nicole not telling the other women about her engagement before the people spread? You know, it was literally the first moment of the entire season where I was like, maybe I don't agree with you, which was a weird feeling because everything Nicole has said from the minute we met her on the show, I was like, yes, this is my fucking girl. But I have to say, I don't buy her argument about she doesn't know how the publicity world works. I mean, maybe she doesn't, but you you know how life works and how relationships work. And if Lisa is saying that you've spoken on the phone three times since she got engaged and that she never said anything, like, you know that that's wrong. And you know that you probably were enjoying the, the People magazine check and the newfound fame. And by the way, all the power to you. If she had said in that moment, honestly, yeah, it was always my dream to have a spread in People magazine and they wanted the exclusive. I couldn't say anything. And of course, I wanted to tell you I was bursting at the seams, but I couldn't because of, you know, the NDA or whatever People gives you. I think everyone would have said, okay, mad props. Like you think Lisa Hochstein is sitting there saying, I would never do that. Like no way she would sell, like if she had another kid and People Magazine offered it, she would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. See, the way that I felt was I disagreed with both of them. Nicole's explanation was uncharacteristically bullshit because I find her to be typically very much a straight shooter. Like exactly what you said. You may not know how the world of publicity works, but you know how life works. At the same time though, and I think I'm just sensitive to this because this is like my number one pet peeve. When such an exciting moment happens in someone else's life, for the initial response to be upset about not being told, I just, it, I don't know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I understand they're on a reunion. They have to hash that stuff out. But it's like, it's not about you, Lisa. <laughs> like, I kind of felt like that. I don't know. I didn't know why everyone was piling on when she's celebrating a really exciting moment in her life. Although I get it from Lisa's perspective. 
And also it's at the reunion. Like Andy is kind of egging them on to say, oh, did you know about it? Why did you get engaged when all season, all you guys talk about is how you don't want to get engaged? I think kind of angling it as, is it for the cameras? Is it for the show? Is it for the, you know, the newfound attention? Like what is the motivation behind it that was what I felt like the undertones of the questions are and kind of what some of the women were getting at which I think it's obviously authentic I love them and I'm so happy for them but just that angle of the magazine and finding out that one of your quote best friends after all this time got engaged because you see it on people's Instagram it can be hurtful no I get it I understood where both of them were coming from I thought the delivery kind of sucked but I also think that Personally, I'm just really happy for Nicole, and it was like overwhelming my judgment. Goddamn, that ring, that's up there. That's like a Haley Bieber, Courtney, Courtney Kardashian. Kardashian. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We put we can recite each other's rings rankings, please, please. We have a shared note, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there okay, somewhere. <laughs> okay, Lisa and Lenny. You know what? Let me tell you something. You know, there are sometimes segments on a reunion where they go in deep and the second it's over and kind of the camera zooms out and you see them go about themselves, you feel like you're taking a breath with them because it was so intense. That's yes. how I felt with this one. Oh my God. You guys know our absolute infatuation with Lenny and Lisa. And this was everything I wanted in life because she was so self-aware and mm. so just not having her usual barriers up. Like she was willing to say, yeah, it was super painful to watch that. And it, it was cringe and seeing his facial expressions. Like I would expect if you asked me before, I would think she would say, that's just how Lenny is. We've moved completely past it. I know this affair was only emotional. She was willing to say like, no, I know because of the text, but who knows? There could be other women. She was being so real. Weren't you impressed by that? I was really impressed by it, yes. And I think that I was just operating under the assumption that any housewife, when presented with this type of question, would do like the Teresa Judice, mm -hmm. you know, just the immediate deflection, no self-awareness, not admitting anything that could have potentially actually been happening. So for Lisa to sit there so calmly and so honestly, kind of just observe what the rest of us saw was wildly refreshing for a housewife, even though Lisa has her shit. She's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But I would say this moment was wildly refreshing. And everything that she revealed in this segment, I don't think anyone else knew and no one was making her say. Like nobody was saying you have to tell them that you were going out too much when you were trying to have a, a child and Lenny didn't like that. No one forced you to admit that Lenny at one point told you he didn't love you anymore. Like that is painful and probably in a way very embarrassing for her. But mm -hmm. she was willing to go there so that she could kind of connect the dots and string along their story because of where we last saw them after season three and to where we come now season four in a completely different mindset. Like so much happened between that. And I feel like, especially for everyone who like me just rewatched all of the Miami seasons, it makes a lot of sense, but it's also really sad because we left them right in the beginning and middle of trying to have children. So then to hear from her mouth exactly what happened in between. It was heartbreaking. And honestly, I just commend her honesty. Really. It was 
I, I was so impressed. It was both heartbreaking and also fascinating. I mean, let's call it like oh, it yeah. is. I was I was glued to the TV. Oh, also, we forget about even Lenny, just for her to be so honest about like, yeah, I have trust issues and I have abandonment issues from my childhood. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I think that, and this is probably unfair, but I think that I don't give Lisa the benefit of the doubt in terms of her depth. And I felt that she was far deeper here than I would have anticipated her to be. And honestly, maybe some of that is, yeah, a combination of the way the rest of the women describe her as just kind of, you know, butterflies and rainbows and whatever they they allude to. But also, if I'm going to be super fucking honest, I think because so much of her personality is rooted in the more superficial elements of her life, I think that it's maybe warped my view of her and that's completely wrong. I mean, that's on me. That's not right. So for this rare moment of kind of depth, I was like, wait, did I have you wrong? I know. I think Lisa constantly surprises us, but I think the most telling moment was when, like, yes. Gertie, yes. Gertie made a that. comment about it's cringy to watch, whatever. The camera's cut. Like you say, we all have that sigh of relief that Lisa's probably like, thank God this is over. I was not expecting to have a meltdown on the couch. And she turns to Larsa and says, Does it look like my husband doesn't love me? Like, mm-hmm. she needs that reassurance and she cares so much about what everybody thinks. And I don't, I think maybe Andy made a comment or one of the other housewives made a comment about it seems like he's just not into it. He doesn't love you, whatever. She really took that to heart. And she was asking Larsa, like, well, does it seem like he doesn't like me? What does it come across as? Like, that was her kind of asking, like, frantically. And Larsa's like, well, he just looks selfish. Right. And she was like, well, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, he just looks a little selfish because he is a little selfish. I, wasn't it such a Larsa way of answering, by the way? Yes. Yeah, so matter of factly, like, oh, you don't know that Lenny is selfish. I think Lisa was like, oh, yeah, I guess Lenny is really selfish. Like, right. she didn't, she kind of was taken aback that Larsa was making like a jab at Lenny. But Larsa was just saying, like, fact, like anyone in the room, oh, yeah, Lenny is a, a doctor and also he is selfish. Both of those things are just facts. Like, you're not going to fight me on them. Right. I know. You know, I have to ask you, between this and the Salt Lake City reunion, and maybe I'm just forgetting reunions, I felt like we got more of these intimate moments between housewives that weren't technically part of it. For example, the moment where Elisa came over to Heather and Whitney, like that to me is very similar to this moment between Larsa and Lisa. I don't know if they're leaning into that more with reunions, but I don't remember seeing as many of those as I felt that I saw this week. I think they're really leaning into it. I also think important things happen in those moments that the cameras cut and they know now to keep the cameras rolling. But even on Salt Lake City, I took note of this was they break for lunch and they say, or a break, and they say, no talking, you know, we're not hanging out with each other, like stay separate, have your lunch and then come back because they don't want to miss any of the action and they don't want the women to have important conversations or say like, I need you to say this or why don't you have my back and not get that on camera because those are important puzzle pieces that we as the audience not only need to see, but fucking want to see. I loved it because like we said just now in that Lisa and Larsa moment, that alone, that couple seconds is the most telling thing ever. Oh, completely. I mean, think about it when Lisa went over to Meredith and Meredith was like, we're not having this conversation off camera. Uh, I love Meredith sticking to the rules. I know, I know. (laughs) Well, because she also was kind of saying like, I'm not letting you get away that easy. Like, you think we're going to have this conversation while we're quote off camera and I'm not going to make you like do it for the world? Hell Mm -hmm. no. Like, I'm not letting you get away that easy. No, no, no. And you could tell Lisa was really trying to, but we'll get into that later on. Mm -hmm. 
There was obviously so much happening with Alexia here. I mean, they just touch on every single one of her storylines. And I feel like a lot of it was fascinating as the viewer, but not necessarily something we'd add value to by discussing. But I want to start off by saying to you, there were moments throughout this reunion, specifically this segment, when they mentioned Leah Black. For example, when Andy tells Alexia that Leah Black kind of came down on her for outing Herman after he passed away. And then Alexia immediately jumps in saying that she's a hypocrite. The way that I saw both Alexia and Marisol react so quickly and so strongly to even the mention of Leah Black's name really got me thinking how differently this season would have gone down if she was on the cast. Oh, it would be not an unrecognizable show. Right? It's really sad, actually, because when they announced the cast, I was immediately like, oh, my God, no Leah Black. That will be sad. Like, she was the kind of carrier of the show. However, I'm so glad the decision that they made. And I love Leah Black. She's entertaining. She's a kook. She's a character. But this was the right move. With this group of girls, the way they gel, the way that they work, it it just – it would not have worked well. And clearly so many of them have ill feelings towards her. So Mm -hmm. I just don't need Marisol and Alexia versus Leah Black all season. We needed a little bit of fresh life in that. But that being said, the first moment when Lisa says, actually the only person there for me in my time of need was Leah Black or the best person in my time of need was Leah Black, my mouth hit the floor. There is something about an ex-housewife mention in a reunion That will just take your breath away. And for it to be Leah fucking Black all these years later, Lisa to bring it up, like I said, because that was so like the relationship at the time that this was all going on and we were sort of there for the beginning of it. I'm sorry. That is just the best thing ever. But not just a mention. We get mentions a lot of the time in a negative capacity. A mm-hmm. mention with with such positivity behind it. Like she was really saying that from her heart. She had no reason to say it. It wasn't like any sort of an alliance here. I mean, you saw the reaction that it got out of Marisol and Alexia. So yeah, I think that the positivity that the mention of Leah Black's name came with was very interesting. <laughs> POV, you're a Bravo intern writing out Andy's <laughs> question cards. And you have to mention <laughs> Kanye's dick. Mama Elsa, Leah Black, and Future. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And the pearl in the shaft of a penis. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, Andy, here's our topic list of the day <laughs> Future and Leah Black. Bet those are two names you never thought you'd say in the same day. That's funny. <laughs> so funny. We have to make a slide about that. Like POV or the intern. <laughs> POV, future and Leah Black walk into a bar. <laughs> do you think people do POV as much as we do? I don't know, but they better start because it's <laughs> funny as hell. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. So next thing that I would like to mention. Uh, when Larsa <laughs> looks at Andy, Wes is cutting to break and says, what else do we have to talk about? Kanye's dick? <laughs> This whole conversation was so ridiculous because, like, (laughs) I know that they filmed this, obviously, a little while ago, but we know in current day what is happening with Kanye and Pete and Kim, and obviously we discussed this at length on Monday's episode, but to simplify it, it's just a fucking mess at the moment, right? And so, by the way, POV, you are Kanye West, right? You're in the midst of (laughs) a nasty divorce battle. Pete Davidson is sending you selfies of himself in bed with Kim, and Larsa asks you if you met Adriana 10 years ago at Art Basel. Like, (laughs) what do you think he's thinking? 
that was my point. That nobody at that couch fucking said that needed to be said. Larsa, you could call Kanye all you want. By the way, this is not a strictly Kanye thing. This is literally anyone. Like I could call you and say, hey, Em, in Miami in 2012, did you happen to see this person? Like Kanye doesn't remember. (laughs) You know how many people he sees and meets and places he goes in not just the last week, in the last decade? You're trying to ask him if he remembers a random woman walking in in the bathroom while you were peeing and then closing the door and taking a photo with you. I just don't see him caring or remembering. Like, she calling and saying, oh, do you know Adriana? She's a housewife in Miami. She walked in and saw you peeing. Like, he's probably like, who is this? No, but the thing, the thing that was so funny about it is that typically, like, if you didn't know anything about this and you just heard the basics, you would think that Larsa doing that is such a flex. I mean, she went mm-hmm. right to the source, right? And she got it. But then once you consider the circumstances, like, of course Kanye's not going to know her <laughs> by face. It, Adriana wasn't saying they went out to dinner. And by the way, the, the real kicker, like, when you really think about it, specifically knowing Kanye's personality and kind of his narcissistic tendencies, Lars only told half the story because I bet you, I would bet my fucking life on this. If Lars had said to him, by the way, there's this girl on my show and she says she saw your dick in the bathroom. By the way, she said it was massive. He'd be like, oh yeah, of course I remember her. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, of course he's going to verify that story if he knew the context. This is like, here we have Lars on the left saying, oh, well, I called Kanye and he said you're a liar. (laughs) And then you have Adriana on the right saying, oh, yeah, well, I have this photo of Kanye and I outside of a bathroom door in two, from 2012 from my Canon one-shot camera that I uploaded to Facebook. It's like, ooh, who's going to win? Like, and, then Connie, and then Connie in the middle being like, why am I in it? Why am I in it? No, I'm sorry. I was cracking up at this point. I was literally cracking up because the seriousness with which it was taken was was hilarious, especially given like the actual intensity of the real life issues that are currently happening, you know, in the whole Kanye Kim Pete saga, which is like so intense and so serious. Larsa thinking that she is dropping like the most insider celebrity knowledge that nobody else on the couch would know when she's like, he would never have security. Like you wouldn't be able to get in the bathroom. Kanye's never by himself. Like celebrities that big, they would never let you just walk in the bathroom that he's peeing in. Like, oh, Larsa, who taught you that? Like, you know, fucking FBI training. Like, of course, we all obviously assume that. This is also 10 years ago. Things were different. And then Adriana's on the other couch saying, he's a big one, a thick one, just trying to get Larsa to snap at her. Oh my God. It was so, it was really... I know they didn't mean for it to be comedic gold, but it really was for those few minutes. And I also want to say, just to jump ahead for a brief moment, that at the end, when Adriana said to her, like, listen, I want to be cool with you. And if that takes me never mentioning the Kardashians again, like, I'll do that. And I'm sorry. (laughs) I actually thought, I know it was probably short-lived, but I actually thought it was a kind of beautiful moment that I was not expecting to get. I did too. And I also was glad that we landed on Larsa saying it has nothing to do with the Kanye and the dick or anything. It's about boundaries and talking about someone that's close to me, their husband, it's inappropriate and it made me uncomfortable. It literally could have been about anything. It had nothing to do specifically with the Kardashians. I mean, I think that is like her extra sensitive spot. And she also is so aware of what headlines will break and like how she can stay sort of getting on their good side. And if something like this shows up, how does that look? I understand there's a lot of optics involved, but 
I do think it's a fair point to say, if I ask you, please don't talk about this. It puts me in a weird situation. Don't talk about it. Someone should respect that. Well, wait, that's what I was saying last week. I'm not really a fan of Larsa's, but I completely agree with her. Adriana was doing it to get a reaction out of her, and it is the the respectful thing to do. But also, I was so surprised yet thrilled that Andy asked that direct question where he literally said to her, listen, a lot of people think you were just starting to get back in their good graces, and were you pissed of what this would look like? And I'm glad he said it because that's what, I mean, I think we all were thinking. I never thought she would admit to it because I think admitting to that would – almost solidify the position a lot of us feel, which is that like she kind of bows to them and that, you know, being on Kim's good side is the most important thing to her. And I think she really tries to push against that to make it as though they are equals in their friendship. So I never thought she would admit it, but Andy asking it even did it for me. And then Nicole chiming in and saying like, it seems like you really don't want to talk about it. Like you won't even mention it. Is there an NDA involved? Oh my God. That is my girl. I'm like, yes. Welcome back to the fight, Nicole. Yes, I know. And by the way, I'm not saying that there is, but I am saying that everything we've ever heard is that upon entrance into Kim's home, there are NDAs right there. And then Lars is having me back. You want to talk about your ex-husband, the school teacher? And I'm like, oh, there she is. Right. It's Turks and Caicos Larsa back in action. But also, you know what's so crazy? Like, in what world is that a, a comeback? Right. Like, what are you talking about? You're talking about, you may have an NDA with the Kardashians and you're going to come back with her ex who like is a teacher. Like, I'm just so confused. And she like clearly is happy to speak about and she keeps trying to use that as an excuse. I don't know. Just any second that I hear Larsa talking about her friendship with Kim to me is absolutely thrilling. And she says, we had a little bump in the road. I think when people are in relationships, sometimes you have to choose peace at home or friends. Nothing ever happened that was like a whole catastrophe or anything. It was never that. It's so crazy because I think literally until this season of the show, we would say the Larsa Kim falling out was very much between Larsa and Kim and had a lot to do with Larsa's just attitude overall and also her being so untrustworthy. But from Larsa's perspective, Kanye has a lot to do with sort of the weird three-way relationship that they had. Yeah, and... Listen, I don't know what went down at all, but in more recent times, seeing some of the Kanye stuff that has gone down, I'm not going to completely discount that. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not, I, I don't think that that can be ruled out. I mean, think about it. He tweeted just Lars's name. You can't tell me that that doesn't, that that didn't mean something on some level somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. It, it's just, it's layered. How painful do you think it was, though, when Andy asked Larsa? if Kim has refollowed and Larsa had to say, we're not there yet. We're working our way back. She's like, oh, I had that follow and I fucking lost it. And who knows if I'll ever get it back. I do think it was painful, but I can't lie to you. Like I am fascinated by this stuff. Like, as you know, it's the thing that we probably are the most interested in, but I don't enjoy watching her squirm necessarily. Like I, I don't, I see how deeply uncomfortable she is by this type of conversation. And I don't enjoy watching her. I'm interested by it, but I don't know. There's part of me that does kind of feel bad because that's not what she signed up for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I also think back to what we've been saying, especially last week on the reunion, she is so like, doesn't lose her cool almost, especially to Andy. Obviously in one second to Nicole, she snaps right back, but she does have that roll-off method where I was saying, like, she is a model. Did you just quote my dad's? 
My yes. birthday speech. We literally had this conversation last week. It's the roll-off method TM. <laughs> Steve and Larsa, one and the same. Emmy, you just got to let it roll off your shoulder. And that's the little voice in Larsa Pippen's head when Andy is asking her questions about the Kardashians. <laughs> she just hears your dad in his Brooklyn accent saying, you just got to let it roll off your shoulders, Larsa. Uh, he's he's going to die when I play him this. He'll be Larsa Pippen and your dad walk into a bar. <laughs> Uh, and they're no. having dinner with Leah Black in future. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, my God. POV Steve Diamond is Larsa Pippen's internal monologue. <laughs> POV Steve Diamond is sitting uh, the little angel and devil on Larsa Pippen's shoulders during the reunion. <laughs> Julie is going to flip from this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. The reunion ended in yeah. such a nice way and in a and reminded me of why I just fucking live and die for Barisol, which was she put aside the bullshit with Nicole and said, you know what? You did really great. Like, you did amazing. And I can put our personal stuff aside and look at you as almost like a co-worker and also someone who's, quote, new here after I've been through it all these years and say, like, you did good. Like, you're you're good for rising tides raise all ships. So I may yes. not like you as a person, but you did good for our show. Right. It was like, you did good, kid. You yeah. did good. You did yeah. good. Yeah. And you know what, Marisol? I agree. She did. <laughs> okay, let's go to Salt Lake City. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And okay, we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, let's start off Salt Lake City by one, acknowledging our exhaustion with the season as we have done. And I know it's been a lot, but I do think we got a lot out of this reunion. I do think that there were some really interesting conversations. 
I, I agree with you. I don't think it needed to be three parts. I think they felt a little bit of pressure because of what a, quote, explosive season it was to make it three parts. But there was a lot that I think we could have skipped over. I actually think that this third part was the best. Hands and I down. wasn't I wasn't the most not bored, but the other ones just really felt like it was. Uh, I was like, oh my god, is the episode over? And it was like I was fifteen minutes in, and it just really was chugging along. But this one, I think it was good. A lot of conversation about not necessarily Andy's treatment, but just the overall questioning of Jen, especially when compared to Erica, how those are different how it all kind of went down. And also, personally, for me, something I had to really kind of look at was Jen Shaw is just so damn likable. It's so hard to, like, get into it, you know? I mean, that's what we've been saying this entire season, though. You know, you hear what went on and you hear Homeland Security and all of these terrible allegations and you expect that there's going to be a real kind of viewer perception of her. And I can only speak for myself, but hands down, this was the most I think I've ever liked her, which I wasn't expecting. And well, listen, we'll get into the Jen stuff, but I kind of think that it's important to start out with the moment between Lisa and Meredith that we were just talking about in the Miami section where Lisa's trying to have this conversation off camera and Meredith basically says, no way. But when Lisa apologizes to her, and again, keep in mind, Meredith had just watched that blow up, you know, 24 or 48 hours before sitting down to film this reunion. I cannot get over that Lisa says to her, and I quote, somebody just told me you were making fun of my renovation stuff, that I live in a shitty house. And you can see like Meredith being so visibly appalled. And she says, and I quote, so if I say you have an ugly house, you should rip my character to shreds. Okay. And they end it there. That's, you know, everything else is quote televised, but (laughs) Like for Lisa to say that with such conviction was hilarious. I can't even think of an accurate like metaphor for what that would be like. When Lisa had the audacity to say, well, I heard you were talking shit about my home renovation. Meredith literally looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. And the thing that I found so fascinating was like, Lisa wasn't saying that as an excuse. She was just being honest in explaining part of the reason that she was so riled up or part of what got her kind of to that point. But what I loved about this moment is that it really showed you what sets Lisa off. And again, that wasn't the only thing, but she does care so much about her appearance. And I don't mean that in terms of how she looks, but just everything, how everything appears, you know? And so I'm, I'm clearly that wasn't the main reason here. However, I do think she would be absolutely furious with someone saying something about her home the exact same way she would be furious about them saying something about her parenting style. Like, I think that that's something that would really, really get her going. Same energy, Lisa freaking out about Meredith potentially talking shit about her house as Lisa Hochstein turning to Larson saying like, are people really saying that about me? Mm-hmm. Clearly it's different. It's about her husband versus her home, but just the same kind of attitude of like, wait, people are talking about me. Like almost a, like a little paranoia, but just so much anxiety about what people could potentially be saying behind your back and how you could fix it so that nobody is talking about it anymore. I just think it's very telling about Lisa and it's not really a, meant as a criticism because 
given all her shit, I still like her. I still think I she's an excellent housewife and I think she's really fun to watch and I actually don't think she's a bad person at all. But she cares a lot about how things appear. She's big on optics and especially Meredith, who I think she holds to such a high regard for her to quote, disapprove of something as important to Lisa as her home. Like, yeah, clearly it wasn't the main reason, but I swear to you, I think that that really would piss her off. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is when they were asking Seth about how he felt about Lisa's rant, I felt that he was conveying more of a sense of like sadness about the whole situation in general than Meredith was. Whereas, you know, her take was a little bit more icy and I get it. She was processing it. That's totally her coping mechanism. But I felt like Seth was kind of saying, you know, the Barlows are basically our family and he was hopeful about a potential rekindling. Yeah, it was interesting to hear it from his perspective because we also can't forget that he was dragged in Lisa's rant and his kids and, of course, his wife. So to hear it from his end so shortly after hearing it for the first time and also watching Meredith sort of cope with it and process it was a perspective I really needed. And I don't know, Seth is fucking killing it. The comment that he made when Andy asked his reaction to Lisa saying that Meredith has fucked half of New York, line of the century. Did she mention the part that I had sex with the other half? You know what? As someone who sometimes finds Seth's sense of humor to be too like, much, too much, <laughs> this was a perfect balance. Absolutely. And also the moment of levity we needed. Yeah. And another thing I want to say about the husbands coming out, specifically because I was thinking about you, do you feel so much more at ease knowing that Justin and Whitney's finances are in order. Yes, Isabel, I cannot even tell you. When they made the very important clarification that this was not their entire savings put into the rebrand of Iris and Bo, and also <laughs> that some of it went into buying out the partner, I was like, thank God, because if all of those hundreds of thousands of dollars went into that one photo shoot using the old logo, I would have just fucking lost it. I swear to God, if someone asked Emma in the last couple of weeks, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> It was like, okay, you know Whitney Rose and Justin Rose? Well, she put all of her life savings into this rebrand. Like, you were really stressed about it. So I was when stressed. they when they went through the books and audited themselves, I yeah. was like, okay. Oh God, yeah. my my friend Emma's really gonna sigh it <laughs> sigh of relief. And you know what? I I think that I was getting my cue from his general sense of calmness. <laughs> he he seemed pretty relaxed, didn't he? Yeah, he's a chill guy. He's a chill guy. Okay, I want to talk about Sharif because let me tell you something. This man answered the questions in a way that I think the lawyers would have applauded. Like I felt he was oh. so calm, cool, and collected. I felt that if I was Jen, I would be saying to other women who have had their husbands brought out during rather precarious situations, like, this is how it's done. I felt that he defended her when she needed defending. I felt that he was straightforward yet also knew what to say, what not to say. Who knows what's the truth with any of this stuff, but I felt that he handled this beautifully. Let me tell you something about Coach Shah. You think Jen is charming, and then mm. you meet Sharif, and it's like, holy shit. These mm -hmm. are the two most charming, likable people on the planet. And you could tell that while she's sitting there, she's so proud of him in general because, like, he is a great guy. But also the way that he's answering the questions clearly – I mean, look, I'm not saying that they're all lies, but everything just adds up very perfectly. His answers are not dodgy, but they're not too specific and they're supportive of her. And she's sitting there nodding along like, yep, that's my amazing, loving, great husband who's so supportive of me. And she's so proud of him. And I thought a very interesting sort of physical 
cue, like a body language expert would note, is not at one point did she kind of turn around to look at him or make eye contact while they were talking. She just kind of sat there and smiled and let him do his thing. And to me, that not only made her seem like less, quote, guilty or like they kind of had to be on the same wavelength, but just also how much she trusts him and how much he is there for her that she doesn't even need to doubt it for one second. Well, totally. I mean, listen, I actually think a lot of these couples have really good marriages, but it's a really interesting dynamic because I think Jen takes her cue from Sharif, whereas John Barlow, for example, definitely takes his cue from Lisa. (laughs) And like, think about it. If the roles were reversed, hypothetically speaking, at every single moment that John would be talking, Lisa would have been turned to him and almost mouthing along what he was saying the same way she was when one of her sons was giving the speech at yes. the hair care event. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it, I'm not going to say necessarily that one is better than the other. It's just so representative of their relationship style. Right. And by the way, that's all to say, I don't even think that they have that great of a marriage. Same. Wait, I have a question that I thought was interesting. When Andy basically brings up the comparison that viewers were drawing between the way that Erica was treated versus the way that Sharif was treated and immediately thinking that Erica was guilty, whereas people kind of immediately absolving Sharif of any potential guilt. The reason that I don't think that that's necessarily a fair comparison is because Sharif isn't the main player here, whereas Erica was the main player. So we watched her spending habits in the way that we watched Jen's. And I think the immediate assumption of guilt I guess wasn't or isn't right regardless, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to just compare them both as like the spouses in the situation because the audience was so much more attached and and knowledgeable about Erica than they were about Sharif. Yeah. I also just think you have to take personality into play and lifestyle. Like there's so many factors here. You can't just say, oh, one spouse is, you know, being indicted and the other one should be treated this way. Like you can't just make a blueprint like that. It's too much of a sweeping statement almost because I also think people feel like Jen is potentially secretive and manipulative and kind of smart enough to let it get to a place where Sharif doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's literally possible. And I don't know. I just think like there's so many little details that you could never just compare like Erica and Sharif. I just I don't even see the comparisons at all. Like literally, yeah, they're two housewives that are going through financial legal problems that are huge cases that have really infiltrated the mainstream and are legitimate in like big courts of law. But other than that, I just don't really feel like even even Andy in the very first part when we said he came in her trailer and said, you know, I just want to make it clear that you and Erica, like I didn't give her the questions either. I'm going to give them to you. Like th- this is not like the mold. Yes. And the other thing is that the majority of the Beverly Hills season revolved around Erica's legal situation. Whereas honestly, there were a few episodes here that of course focused on that. But other than that, and we've been saying this, you know, Jen's legal case was kind of a subplot and you can't say the same for Beverly Hills. So it's a completely different relationship just as the case applied to, you know, being the main drama of the show. And Jen's method of just literally treating it as though it is not true, whether it is or isn't, and just her like not even entertaining it and saying like, it's just a legal case this is the story. This is my story. And not even allowing anyone to like penetrate her with questions. Mm -hmm. It almost worked. And I think that's why almost she had such an easy treatment at the reunion is because 
you weren't going to get anywhere. Whereas Erica went into so much detail and so many complicated details and drew up things from their past and was posting receipts. And also, don't forget, Erica and Tom are on absolutely terrible not speaking terms. They were like, they were brawling basically. Whereas Sharif and Jen are coming here as a united front. How are they going to grill Sharif like that? What are they going to say? Like Erica is willing to talk shit about Tom and say, you know, he did these things. It's terrible. I didn't know, but here I'm willing to put all his shit out on the table. It's just like, it's not even a close comparison here. That's, that is precisely how I felt. Not even a close comparison. But yeah, I think that Jen probably went home and just love Sharif in, in, in a different way. And did literally yeah. the Academy Award goes to. Right, exactly. We're going to call mean, that the anti-Jackie Goldschneider, and I love you're, Jackie. <laughs> you're going to tell me that they're still sticking to the story that he was really in the hospital with rectal bleeding, and that's why she left Beauty Lab, had them turn off her microphone, and was frantically leaving, and then just happened to get pulled over. Like, said, I need to go to the house. I mean, come on. Like, here's where things just don't add up, and I but- think they just didn't want to touch that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's literally zero part of me that believes what they said in in that particular moment because I just think that the way she got the phone call is she got tipped off. Like, I, I, there's very few things that would convince me otherwise. That being said, I respected the way that they so calmly and matter of factly stuck to their story. I don't, I don't believe it, but I can commend (laughs) the act. You know what I mean? I almost just sit there and I'm like, you know what? It's a nice story. Like right. I, I loved hearing it. I loved right. pretending. Right. And I loved the way that you practice this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If it is okay with you, I would like to take a moment to talk about Heather and some of the micro interactions that we saw between her and some of the other women. I love talking about Heather. Okay. So this was the third part. And for the first two parts, I think I said both weeks, like typically I absolutely love Heather but I was a little turned off by her behavior. Personally, for me, I thought that in this part, I was the most on board with her behavior that I had been because I felt like she was being super honest. She was being super honest and had zero shame. She's willing to say, I'm coming to Jen Shaw's court trial every single day. I will be front row. I don't care if she's guilty or not. And there's no shame. And you know what? That's a fucking good friend. And I think There is a little part of me that feels like, okay, it's a little far. Like there is a little bit of ass kissing going on and I don't know why, but I actually think when you get to the root of it, it's just that she loves her and wants to be there for her. And then like then when you remember like the shit that Jen has done and said about Heather, you're like, damn, you are some special kind of person. Yeah, but I I get cautious about like commending that behavior too much because – Totally. It's a very good friend thing to do. She's incredibly loyal. But there's a part of me that gets slightly concerned for her because I do think that there's a part of it that is indicative of like her self-worth and self-respect yes. not necessarily being at the level that it should be. Right. Like I, I don't think it's something that we should marvel at, like basically somebody walking all over you and then you being like, but I'll be there for you no matter what. Yeah. This particular situation, Jen needed a friend and Heather showed up and I'm not faulting her for that at all. But if we really examined it, I don't. I think that it's more layered. That's all. Yeah. I think Heather has just gone through like hard, isolating periods of her life and realized like sometimes you have to put the shit aside and just be there for someone. And she's also able to digest and remember everything and forgive but not forget. But then there's moments like Jen will say something and Heather is the first one to say, 
like, what are you talking about? You always go there. And like, Heather will defend Whitney no matter what. Like, Whitney comes before Jen, I think, in those moments that she needed sort of a backup. So I'm glad that it's not just blind loyalty. I do think that there is like a path here. No, I do think that there's a path. And also, I thought she was really honest in saying that, you know, she very much remembers that Lisa and Meredith is the reason that she's on the show in the first place and and that she's aware of that on some level. I liked when she said to Lisa, like, I just want to be in the ugly with you because yes. I really appreciated that because I don't think Lisa knows how to sit in the ugly. I don't think it's something she's comfortable with. And that's okay. But for Heather to call it out in such a concise yet impactful way resonated with me. And I don't know if people are going to agree. Like I, I I kind of felt like people were just not into Heather any of these parts, which is totally fine. But I really, I really felt her in this particular part. No, I think that's Lisa's problem overall is not sitting in the ugly. And even she admits it. Like it's really hard for me to break down and just be vulnerable and show my emotions. She is aware of that, but it doesn't mean that she can fix it. So for Heather to say that and make it more of like a personal issue, I think was kind of important. And also hopefully will help Lisa realize like we want to see all that. We know you're not perfect. And that's like we said much earlier in this episode, what we signed up for. Totally. And I actually thought that Lisa's most likable moment this entire reunion and maybe this entire season was exactly that when she said, I have a really hard time being vulnerable. Like, yeah. say that. Let's let's hear that more, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to mention from this? I think that was it. I'm, I'm glad it's over. We got great answers. But I will say this is a time where I feel extreme fatigue and I'm not ready for the next season yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I need this break, but wow. It was definitely a revolutionary season two of the show. Are you kidding? No, absolutely revolutionary. And listen, I'm, I'm thrilled for season three. I just, I'm, we need the rest and we'll come back recharged and ready to go. Totally. Let's touch on Jersey and OC. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS.
look, there's not that much to say about Jersey this week. I mean, we got solid 15 house husbands of New Jersey minutes in the beginning. We got Teresa and Louie on a boat. We got a little bit of a spa time and we got Dolores's update on her family. I mean, overall interesting episode. Oh, of course we had Antonia Gorga's cheerleading career. How could I forget about that? But <laughs> Like, good episode, not great, not that much to discuss, and very much like a filler episode that I think is leading up to a bigger explosion later down the road. Yeah, I mean, what I said, I guess, in the Miami section is really how I feel that to me – Hands down, the most interesting part of this episode was watching what I believe to be Jennifer's very authentic journey of coming to terms with her marriage to Bill. Like, listen, I know neither of us have ever been married, but in general, I think everyone can on some level understand the feeling of like suppressing a deep emotion, specifically one of pain for so many years. And I think for 10 years, when you don't tell anyone, she didn't tell her sister, she didn't tell her mother, she didn't tell anyone in her family. I mean, she kept this a secret in in solely her heart. She internalized that shit, the pain, the guilt, the embarrassment, the anger, anything she felt, she internalized that. And now we are genuinely watching a woman process this in real time. And it just so happens to be to the rest of the world because one of you know her colleagues basically brought it up. So any of the bullshit around it is one thing. Take that aside. Forget about her drama with Margaret or any of that. We're watching her process. And I mean, do you know how rare that is? It's so rare. It must be like the most vulnerable moment. I mean, we're watching her sit down with her brother to describe how she called her mother to tell her about an affair from 10 years ago because she already told her other siblings and her children and she wanted her to know like that's real shit right there and jennifer so calmly is just putting it all out there and how easy it would be for her to want to bury this and not really like add fuel to the fire and really bring it under the microscope by making it a full storyline and letting everyone follow her journey of dealing with it like she could easily have had it mentioned in that first episode and then spent the rest of the season trying to bury it but she literally went the opposite direction like she is owning it Totally. And I think the thing that I can't get over is that forget about her being so open with the other women or in her confessionals. It's like we're really watching her kind of shift her thinking of these belief systems that she's internalized for so many years. So even like to be able to acknowledge that she's upset with Bill, that's taking a lot of rewiring in her brain because she's been taught to kind of believe that she has to approach this in a certain way. Like this is so much bigger than Housewives. And that to our point that we were making in Miami about like the documentary style of going in deep with individual Housewives storylines versus the random bullshit that they think they need to create. Like that is the stuff that I'm here for. Yeah, me too. That's why I thought that this was the most interesting and Truthfully, none of the other stuff is captivating me as much. I think we'll get there. We're so early in the season. But yeah, that was totally the star of the episode. And by the way, I say that as a big fan of Bill. But I think that like for Jennifer to give herself permission to acknowledge his flaws and to like hold space for her anger is really fucking important. Like yeah. I this the reason I say it's so much bigger than housewives is because women need to see this, specifically women that have been in situations that they're that she was in basically where she was thought that it was her fault and that the embarrassment is something that she should hold. And I understand that a lot of this is, you know, potentially cultural. She's spoken about that. Those are her words, not mine. But it, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I could go on this forever. I'm going to stop, but I have a lot to say and I feel really strongly and, and I commend her, even though I don't really like her, I commend her for doing this. Me too. I mean, by the way, this is a story we'd never, ever in any other situation ever get to see go down. Like even if someone in your own life was handling something like this, 
you never get to watch it. You never get to see all the angles and conversations. So just like opening up new stories and storytelling. And I love it. Totally. Totally. Also, just in terms of OC, you know, when, when Jen was talking to Emily and she's saying that, you know, she's so exhausted with this fight with Ryan that she feels like maybe she should just give in. And when Emily asks her what giving in means, she basically explains how he wants to be financial equals, AKA the property in Hawaii that she bought before the marriage. He wants his name on it. And before Emily even came in with her commentary as a lawyer, my ears immediately perked up of like, wait a second, this does not sound like a good situation. Jen is the epitome of love is blind. Like here she is, this woman who seemingly like has her shit together. She's a doctor. She, you know, she just seems like she kind of gets it. But as soon as anything comes up about her husband, she completely loses any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like this the SpongeBob episode where he's like running around with the files on fire and he's like, what's my name? What's my name? Like that's right. what, kind of how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I love you when know, you refer to SpongeBob. I, I, I randomly reference that episode a lot in my daily life. It's okay. Things stick with you. <laughs> yeah, they do. No, but it, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that I have – I don't want to say I have a harder time empathizing because that's the wrong word. It's just that I think that I have such a general confusion about – their marriage in general and him as a person in general and like what drew them together in the first place more than just the initial attraction, that it's hard for me to get in as deep as I want to because I'm so thoroughly confused at how it ever worked. Like I'm so confused about how this is just now starting to become an issue. I think the problem too is we don't really have like a connection or a relationship to him because we've only really seen him sort of in a negative light. So it's hard to play both sides and not feel like it's a clear-cut decision for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I also want to say people will randomly DM us when they see photos of Sweet James, aka Noella's <laughs> ex, like the billboards. Please do that. Like anytime you see it, please send them to us. I don't know why. It's like I almost feel like we should play a game. You know, it's like Sweet yeah. James in the wild. Yeah. Someone sent me a photo today of Mia's joint store, like a random one. And I was like, yes, I love seeing housewife businesses in the flesh. Yes. Yes. I also got to tell you, I mean, I think people know that both Isabel and I went to Syracuse. That's how we met. And watching Heather Dubrow, you know, stay at the Sheridan and walk down Marshall Street and go into Fagan's was like a wild experience for me. Oh, it was thrilling. Just having our school on a show like that was just so meta and like, such a full circle moment. It was funny. when she was when she was standing in front of the SCT house, and like right behind that was the apartments that I used to live in. I was just like, <laughs> no way! Like Heather Dupro, like I don't know. It just it just was wild. It was great. I yeah. loved every second, and I love Heather and Gina together. Talk about a show I would just watch. I mean, I love them. I love them. I think they have a real friendship, a real relationship. I think they just click as actual friends. And seeing them on this trip was just like joyful. Well, I mean, I think the thing that we pick up on is that like Gina just is in constant awe of Heather and not in a way that I view to be kiss-ass, just in like a deep sense of admiration and kind of disbelief that this person is real. And I get a kick out of watching that because she's so authentic in her reaction. And I think Gina brings out a really playful, chill, funny I guess New Yorkery side that Heather has in her that I don't think she always has out around her fancy friends and that she likes to channel and very kid like, which she does a lot around with her children. So it's just perfect. And then their parents getting to meet and seeing Heather's mom and then Gina's parents and 
both of them sort of understanding, oh, this is where you come from. Like when you make friends as an adult, you don't really get to spend time with the families like you do with your childhood friends. So that always is like such an aha moment of understanding like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is who you are. I get it now. Totally. Well, we were just having this conversation about like the concept of quote adult friends and how that differs in terms of like their understanding of you as a person. It's such an interesting concept that I love to talk about. Right. Like sometimes I'll like go to someone's apartment or we'll have dinner with people or we'll travel, whatever. I'm like, you guys haven't met my parents. Like, am I allowed to have dinner with you? It's weird. I know. I know. It's so crazy. It's weird. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week. Is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it. What a, what a wild ride, kiddo. What a wild ride. That was fun. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and for letting us do this. And uh, I don't know. That was fun. We'll see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.